Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I am your host, Greg, and this year we are doing 1973. Before we start the show, know this. This is a game show, everybody. All right, so I'm going to be giving points for correct answers, funny comments, or things that generally make me feel good about me. Greg. Greg. Uh, the movie we are doing tonight is 1973's Serpico. And for that, I had to bring in the two dirtiest, filthiest cops I know. First off, winner of last week's show, probably Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Uh, hey, Greg. I, I do want to say that, and this is not a big deal um, to all the listeners out there in listener land, but you did leave this envelope in my locker. Yes. And I would just, did not open it, did not no. look in it. Uh, just going to be on the show, and I want to slide that envelope back to you. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Uh, rejecting my big envelope of glitter right away. I'm not sure that I like that. A huge fan of glitter I'm seeing written on this card here. Uh, in glitter glue is our challenger today mike mike how much do you love glitter i love glitter so much i love that once you get one it'll spread you can't get rid of it in any way shape or form yeah uh, it just stays like on breathe there. it in also envelopes of anthrax same thing i like based on how you're dressed right now did you think dirty right. cop meant dress as a cop and cover yourself in mud and shit yeah because uh, I've heard that cops are pigs, so I've tried to do both at once. <laughs> you heard. <laughs> like, I heard the on grapevine. the streets. <laughs> I have heard. Officer, I heard on the main streets. <laughs> could you clear something up for me? I have heard that cops are pigs. Is that true? I don't know. Um, they don't like when you ask them that. When, when we talk about some 1973 movies, 1973 movies, like, all have, a lot of them have names I've never even heard before before we started doing this season, uh, let alone like having actually seen them. Uh, but Serpico feels like a, a movie that's bigger than 1973. Mike, do you have any, besides like having heard about Serpico, do you have any history with the movie itself? The, not the movie itself, but the closest is the outfits for some reason. Not all of them, because there's uh-huh. so many. But some of them have been burned into my brain. And then... Uh, Mostly, it's there's an it's always sunny in Philadelphia episode from the first few seasons okay. where Charlie just keeps yelling he's going Serpico on everybody's ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, my only connection was the 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 parts of Rushmore that are that are Serpico. Ryan, as our resident film guy, uh, did you do you have a history with Serpico? I do, Greg. Okay, would you share it with us, Ryan? I'd fucking love to. Um, season ago or so. We were going to do an Al Pacino career retrospective. This is true. 2002 season. It was for for the movie Insomnia, I believe. For the movie Insomnia. And I was like, you know what? Um, uh, as the movie guy, I should probably watch some more Al Pacino movies that yeah, I haven't so seen. so you're ready. I have never seen Serpico. I should watch that. And I did it, and I was ready to talk about it in the Al Pacino career retrospective. Yes. Our host, I don't remember who that was. Some fucking dipshit schmuck. Some chud. Some guy uh, dressed like a cop covered in shit and mud. <laughs> You said that that's what we were going to do, but then decided to pull the rug out from under us, and we did some fucking uh, improv skit. A hilarious gag that what's, still resonates to this day. What's the perfect one-two punch of lying to your friends, then saying, we're, now we're going to do improv? <laughs> it's the only way to get your friends to do improv. The good news is, Ryan, Mike. as I give Mike another point for uh, the chutzpah, the chutzpah, uh, the good news is we are going to have a chance later 
in this show. I swear to fucking God. To do the outer perspective. And I swear by my duties as a host that nothing will preempt that. Ryan actually asked me, he said, I'm going to do a little work to prepare for this, Greg. Can you promise me this is going to be a segment on the show? And I said, host's honor, (coughs) yes. Even though the amount it would be funny (laughs) to not do this is unprecedented in the history of the show. The studio audience is so excited right now because they will see the first live. Uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Very timely response from our otherwise silent audience. If if we don't do the Alpacino career retrospective tonight, uh, they're going to see the first actual live happening of somebody taking two heads and bonking them together <laughs> and then you guys fall on the ground and see stars is there any chance that if we don't do it you will reprise the other lume pacino movie that we have done uh dog day and just start screaming attica Probably. attica attica well that gets us ready to talk about serpico i think the only thing left to do is take a short break and then talk about serpico Serpico asks the question, what if it turned out that cops weren't always the good guys? Now, try to stay with me because this is probably going to blow your mind a little bit. But the cops in Serpico aren't concerned with making the world a better place or with protecting the little guy. But instead focus on draining money from everyone they come in contact with and sending that money right into their own pockets. Hard to believe, but it's right in the film, folks. I assume this movie is a fiction film? I am being told the movie is not a fiction film. Gentlemen, how do we think revealing the corruption of the police force played to 1973 audiences, as opposed to how it plays today? Does this shocking revelation make it stand out more than, to make it stand out more then than now? And how do we feel about Lumet's ACAB delivery system, Ryan? I, I think it has to be crazier then, like jaw-droppingly Crazy. And I, uh, for us, right. especially if you're of our ilk, where we, the three of us and the people that we hang out with in our bubble don't have a lot of, um, of those black American flags with the blue lines in the middle. Uh-huh. Not a ton of those flying off of our pickup trucks. Uh, I have the pink line, which is for people who uh, serve ice cream. Oh. Yeah. Ice cream character. lives matter. <laughs> uh, and then back then, I think that it was shocking, but also in a weird way comfort food and it's because that there was serpico instead because instead of just being uh footage of corrupt policemen doing corrupt things like we were getting with those clowns on capitol hill (laughs) taking down democracy at the time we actually had a guy who had an inordinate superhero level of integrity Uh that i think the movie does an okay job with dealing with and building up but i think that that's sort of the hero that we really wanted to see was not somebody who went around punching people or shooting people but just saying like i am the least corruptible person in a world where i guess everyone is including the eerie kid from the sting did you see that <laughs> the eerie oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like well he's like one of like the lead henchman mm-hmm. of like the the corrupt cops mike do you think that it plays differently uh now than it did in 1973 uh, yeah, I, I think it's so perfect that we're doing this 50 years later because I think 73 it hit and people are like, oh, crazy, it's happened, but we have our one good hero. And now, one, it's hard to believe that there was even one good one. And <laughs> we're used to it. I, I think in the 80s and 90s and early aughts, we've been like, I don't know. What's the shirt? Uh, 
there maybe should be a couple more good cops who hang out with Serpico. Uh, that I, I think we're finally ready again to to have those scales fall off her eyes and be like, no, most of the police force fucking sucks, man. It it is so rare to have one good person. Pauline Kale famously wrote that about this movie that like there wasn't one other guy and there really isn't like there's there is one other guy right there's that guy that he gets high with yeah Yeah, the the guy Tony Robbins Tony Roberts not Tony Robbins Tony Tony Robbins Robbins. (laughs) he later (laughs) go on stage and be like be like me (laughs) from all the Woody Allen movies you could have teeth this big but I mean everybody's (laughs) like uh, wow uh, Serpico I really think that you're great and uh, just take the money just fucking take why aren't you taking the money god damn it Early on, and probably like it's in the first forty-five minutes, because if you rewatch it, you're like, wow, there's a lot of preamble in this movie uh, before you start serpicoing everywhere. Uh, <laughs> one of the cops says, "Who can trust a cop who don't take money?" Mm. Unironically, and means it insincerely, and it's like, wow, it is. The corruption is so woven into the DNA of the entire Five Boroughs Police Force that he is the anomaly anomaly that makes them. It's not they're like, oh, we're bad, so we have to look in the mirror. It's like. Fuck this guy. He is actually a creep and a rat. Well, there's people that are like that hear about this and they'll like take their hat off and they'll stop and they like, scratch their head and they'll be like, "Hold on, wait, you want what? Like it's right. unfat. It's like it's like the people in the beginning of Air Bud right. say like watching a dog play basketball. Like, that's <laughs> how crazy it is. Because I I found watching this movie that it at once starts from an extremely naive place. It is the clean shaven Pacino at the beginning of the movie. But it like it it breaks the audience in very slowly to like okay, we're gonna show you some police corruption here. It starts with cream chicken, but then it goes all the way to envelopes full of money. But then at the same time, it really does show that like there is no cop besides Serpico and his friend that are are not touched by this. Like right. the commissioner is, the captain is, every single it goes other all the guy. Way to the top. It goes all the way to the top and then and then back around. And so I thought that was an interesting mix of like, in a way, it starts off in a much more innocent place than a current movie would about right. police corruption. Because it like it has to break the audience into the idea that it might happen. And then once it does, it's just like, yeah, okay, but it's everybody. Right. And I, I yeah, I do think that that's uh, a, a little bit of the lumet of it all the Lume of it all. And although Dog Day doesn't do this, Dog Day is almost a real-time movie. You know, They're more it. bumbling in Dog Day. In Dog Day, it's like they have no plan for any situation. But this movie, I think, had... Uh, I read it had like a thousand sets or a thousand different locations in the script, which is sure. 200 times more than you need. Right. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of location. And it, <laughs> Every it, shot should be in a different place. It, it, there, there's a point where like, uh, Al Pacino's like, oh, that's good information. And then he leaves, and then he goes and makes a phone call in a different place. He's like, okay, I'll meet you there. And then goes, like, it's a little unnecessary. It has to be real how it really happened, Ryan. But I think what he's trying to do is make this epic scope, this Godfather-esque or, like, Lawrence of Arabia-esque, this is my epic tale. Instead of just saying, here's a year in the life of Serpico, I want him to be larger than life with that David Lean-esque you right. know, grand scope. He, he bounces, I think, by the end to almost every borough except Staten Island, which doesn't really count. Uh, he <laughs> works made of trash, and it just follows. I I don't know, and we'll, we'll talk about Lume later. But like, I don't know if I've seen a movie capture however many years this movie captures as well as this does as seamlessly 12, as it 13. does. And it's confusing in a good way. Thank God we have that dog and that beard because those yeah. are your only <laughs> markers that time is passing. Mike, <laughs> do you guys with? The A cab delivery system of Lumet. Um, 
I, I think that he's a funnier actor or funnier director, rather. He's better at comedy than some of his, uh, you know, people making movies at the time like Coppola, let's say. But do you think that the ACAB delivery system here is funnier? Like, is does it get to the point where it's so over the top that it is kind of a joke? Or is that a failure of his, of the movie? I, I think there are things that definitely are played for humor. Mm-hmm. For Like, his costume changes... Honestly, it reminds me of, do you remember, Ryan, in the book Confederacy of Dunces, there's a cop who's always, like, undercover, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, dressed as a pirate sometimes, dressed as a sailor other times. Like, there are establishing shots where Serpico walks in, and his clothing is so wild, and for a second, you can't even tell. If it's like <laughs> that's just the way Serpico's dressed today, right. or what? this is another one of his like yeah, crazy disguises. I don't know if dressing like a Hasidic Jew is where he's working that day, or if that's what's hip in just New York in the party just the flavor right of now. The time. Be- because it's right. it's so early on, it's shown that he has the pulse. He tells one of his new captains, he's like, "Undercover cops, you can tell who they are." And the the guy, like, he's one of the leaders right. who listens. He's like. You know what? And first, you think he's fucking with him because he's so agreeable. Yeah. He's like, I want you. I'm going to drive your own car. <laughs> however you want. Drive your own car. Like, do whatever needs to be done. And he's just like, you can tell Supergirl's like, is he fucking with me right now? Because I'm going to dress like a rabbi so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought this costume right here. But yeah, I for sure at the end of that, is that, is that something you like, Supergirl? And Supergirl's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course I'm not going to do that, you fucking idiot. Get out of here. One of the things that's interesting, though, is... That's still a problem cops have. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. whenever they put cops at a protest, they're always, like, guys with military haircuts, wearing black shoes with white socks. The yes. tightest jeans with the biggest gun bulges all yeah. up and down the leg. <laughs> well, I, another thing that I think is a little naive about this movie is, and I want to get your, your feelings on it, is there kind of, by the end of this movie, a feeling of, like, wow, good thing this happened because yes. we were able to really clear out the police force of all these bad the, apples, the and now we're ends, just back to normal cop stuff. For, for starting, because we start towards the end, right? We start very Fight Clubby end. Somebody's bloody from the face. Yeah, he is shot in the freaking face. And all you hear is other cops being like, oh, Serberger got shot? I bet it was <laughs> one of us who did it. Uh, <laughs> and so by the end, for it to end on such a weird high note, I was like, is there a post credit scene? Like, that, that now well, the we cops are like, but we're really still gonna fuck yeah, around. Yeah, we're, right? we're, we're gonna be part of the January sixth riots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so shocking to end where it ended, and well, the, it's the, got, mo- the most like biopic it felt. It's, yes, it's got that problem of one: you have to have a movie structure, like. right? And I don't think that this movie does Mm-mm. because it's a life, right? right? So and instead, so, it's just and it's a life that's like only like thirty five years in the making. This movie is not a hangout movie, but it is. It's like it is a character piece that has yeah. some things that happen sometimes, and you just have to prepare yourself for that. But the other thing, too, is that because of Serpico, a lot of things did happen. Like, there was this thing that got put together that did put a lot of bad apples in jail. Ultimately, the problem was, though, that it was like, oh, if you do this now, here's how you're going to get caught. Like, they basically right. laid out, like, here's, right. here's all the way that they're now capable of uh, catching corrupt cops. So don't do this again, but let's still be corrupt as fuck. Because let's be honest, like, I kept thinking this whole movie, oh, well, they don't pay cops enough, so give them raises. Like, let's say they're on the take for 500 bucks a week. Give them a $500 a week raise. They're going to steal 600 yeah. bucks a week right. after that. Like, be- they're fucking poisoned to the brain. Even the, the corruption, like we said, starts with a roast beef right. sandwich, grows and grows and grows. So by the end, the ones, there's seven of them who are at this point, no longer, nobody's talking to the side of their mouths. Nobody's like hinting at things. They're like, we're each going to get 40 grand and we'll fucking yeah. murder you if you screw with this dude. Well, right. like they, what they start doing, and I, I like, this is a part where the movie 
like it starts you off so slow, but then when it start when it's really showing you the corruption, they'll send him to a new station, and the first thing they yeah. do is they pair him with whoever it is that collects the money, right. so that they can get his hands dirty right away, and then he just finds a way to to wiggle out of it. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit, though. Like, hey, I want to go to a new station because I I want it to be cleaner. But don't tell them, though, right? Like, make yeah. it a clean station. Don't tell them that I'm really into, like, being clean. Uh, okay, Serpico. Yeah, let me make that phone call. Well, and this I'm one's sure clean as a houndstooth. So. Your, your, your <laughs> reputation won't come with you. Nothing is cleaner than a dog's mouth. Dogs eat poop. Was uh, Before we move on, is Serpico a better cop than the other cops? Like, uh, it, it, I, is, I, is, his, does he, is he, like, the hero? Well, one of the things that they did, uh, and this, like, I read some quotes from the real Serpico. Uh and it was really modernized. It felt very contemporary of like the whole police force is out to arrest as many people as possible instead of help as many people as possible. Like he sounded like a real defund the police guy before that terrible title was given to it. Uh-huh. And Ryan. they, I think that a lot of that was done in the beginning when he was in his uniform and he was too uh, attempted rapist was like, Hey man, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let's mm-hmm. talk. You know, like, I'm going to look at you like a human being, yeah. which is something that... Instead of just hitting you with a phone book? Right. Uh, what do they hit people with now, I wonder? Don't have a phone... You don't see a phone just, book anymore, right? Just a, they, they collect all the cops' phones in a pillowcase and use those. <laughs> Did you order the code red? <laughs> <laughs> when, I, I think he's whoop. a better cop. If I may answer that question as well, Greg. I yes. think he's a you better... You need to have a turn. He's a better cop I'll, than... I want to go after Mike. The other cops... Uh, but I don't know if he's a better guy because so much of it eventually turns into like he will burn his life to the ground. He'll hurt the people who love him yeah. because now like he is a selfish driven dude who pushes into it's not like, well, I'm not going to get my hands dirty. He's like, I will hurt whoever it needs to hurt to stop this. And it, it stops being like, because this is the right thing to do and starts being like, because it's the thing I happen to be obsessed with. He gets obsessed with it. Well, yeah. yeah. So what this movie resembles more than a cop movie is a music biopic. Right. Of just like going through all of those ups and downs and the obsession, you know, like just or the train the, spotting, the yeah, or a drug movie, yeah, of like uh, the screaming and the yelling, and I'm gonna play it cool. It's it, it, and it has that uh, energy of a Nirvana song, as so many Al Pacino performances do. Is mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep it as quiet as I can, so that when I scream, I fucking here's the chorus. Now I'm screaming at this woman Whoa. who for some reason, decided to pair her life with mine. <laughs> He'll let you know here and for the rest of his career, he can shout anywhere. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but at least... <laughs> you, you try to meet up with it. me in public, I'll still shout. At least it's Light. sometimes quiet, sometimes loud, as opposed to future Al Pacino performances. Where it's just loud, loud, loud. Loud, loud, loud. We are going to take what Mike reminds us is the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, do something completely different. Now, the segment that we are supposed to do right now, of course, is the Al Pacino career do it. retrospective. I, I double dog dare you. But unfortunately, that has been preemptive, preempted instead for Al Pacino's career retrospective. It would have been so funny not to do it, but I, I asked you to do extra work, Ryan, which would have made it funnier still. But no, I think we ought to do it. And the only way to really reflect Ooh. on anything... You know Boo? I'm sorry. You're booing right. this man for doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> for it it would have been so funny. I wish anybody could have seen my face, you guys or the listeners, the first time we were supposed to. And all week, Ryan was updating Greg and I how many Al Pacino films he'd watched. And I knew. I fucking <laughs> knew the whole week that we weren't going to do it. 
that it was too much work and we're going to do something else instead. You're a piece of shit person and a piece of shit friend. Now, our Thank first you. matchup is our number one seed character, Michael Corleone from The Godfather, The oh. Godfather Part 2. And that's it. And, of course, The Godfather Part 3, which does exist, and we have to just deal with that. Versus himself, one Al Pacino in Jack and Jill. And, Ryan, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. This is the Dunkachino commercial that everybody thinks is real. That's what this is, That's what this is, right? <laughs> is this Adam Sandler's greatest... Contribution to the culture? <laughs> yeah, it's like yes. the devil's greatest thing is that he put like pulling the wool over his <laughs> eyes what's that line from the usual suspects yes this uh Dunkachinos do not actually uh, or al pacino does not actually represent the Dunkachino brand unfortunately many people believe that he does and then sort of have their hearts broken when someone in the comments is like that's not actually a real commercial uh but what do we think do we think that a a, a bigger role is michael corleone um or i mean he's himself in jack and jill he's and no- al pacino Nobody has ever thought Michael Corleone was a real guy. No, so that's true. That didn't trick he's anybody. No tar. Nobody's... What? He's no tar. He's no Lydia tar. Uh, but Al Pacino Duncanchino is the first tar. <laughs> I, like, what do you say about The Godfather? Like, besides, like, I'm a little surprised that all the dancing around and we've never landed on a year with a Godfather movie. Yes. Um, Some say purposefully. It might honestly be like it's so daunting. They're so talked about, and it's so like, why do a why put other movies into the bracket? Yeah. Well, nineteen ninety, we could probably put other movies in the bracket with that Godfather movie, but not for the other two. Um, but like, what with the first two movies? What else do you need from not just an Al Pacino performance, but an actor in general? You know, this is our. I think today we're doing our sixth Al Pacino movie, and. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I don't think anything compares to those two movies. Yeah, yeah, and um, the like the change you see come over one person is so interesting in that you know the the little it's kind of like this movie in, in a way I guess the fresh faced Pacino into like you know the guy that loses everything. Is he better I, than Mark Hamill going from boy farmer to Jedi at the beginning of Return I, of Jedi? Potentially, I think maybe. You're speaking crazy now. I think he might change a little more in Serpico, and you know. Again, by the amount of facial hair and hair he has. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can always tell by how much facial hair. All right. Our number two is John Milton. Is this from The Devil's Advocate? Isn't that clever? His name His is John Milton? His character's name John Milton. Yeah. Come this? on, Devil's uh, Advocate. I love it. Um, or uh, Lowell Bergman from what, Ryan? I don't know, Greg. Lowell Bergman. Lowell Bergman. Mike, you're the Al Pacino uh, expert. Right. And we all know Lowell Bergman. We love Lowell Bergman. He's We're from Lowell Bergman, guys. Well, he oh, was the an American insider. journalist in 1945. The Insider. It's from uh, The Insider. This is the Michael Mann movie where Russell Crowe is the whistleblower about the tobacco company. Oh, yeah. Uh, based uh, on all of us doing that right it now, kind of it's feels John like Milton. John Milton <laughs> from, the, from The Devils. Despite the unfortunate eye rolling name. The Insider is an amazing movie. Michael Mann is an amazing filmmaker. But the Devil's Advocate is perfect because they were like, "Oh, Al Pacino, you're just you're gone now, and you're never coming back. Like you're gonna act like that forever." I guess the Devil. Then I guess you just play the Devil. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, I think this is a case of the right movie at the right time for me. Um, it's not a good movie, but I saw it a lot when I was young because it was about the Devil. It had boobs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Your two favorite things. Yeah, oh, it had Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. which is just like I was three always, favorite things. Yeah, I was looking for any excuse to look at Keanu Reeves. So we're gonna say. Uh, John Milton moving on. Plus, that's so clever. I had no appreciation for that <laughs> when I was a kid. 
Um, okay, so Sunny from Dog Day Afternoon is our fourth seed versus 13 seed, a movie that we have not talked about, uh, Steve Burns from Cruising, which is the movie about gay nightclub culture. Uh, and I have not seen it. Have you seen that, Ryan? Uh, I have not seen it, but I it's directed by William Friedkin, who is just recently started to rest in peace. And <laughs> uh, resting real right. loud and annoying before friend of the friend of the show made ex- the Exorcist. It made right? the Exorcist, yeah. And I like you got to give it up for his choices here in 1980. Did you say um, Undercover Cop, which I guess is his thing? But like uh, I'm gonna learn the culture of the gay underground. Like I'm gonna go to the bars and like somebody. There's a serial killer killing gay dudes. Mm. So I'm gonna go undercover and I'm gonna learn what this whole community is in 1980. Yeah. I say, and you're like at the you know top of your fame top of the game like i think that's an amazing choice uh unfortunately all i know about it is he probably kicks open gay bar doors and he's like <laughs> you guys all have great asses <laughs> you should be proud working hard so what do we think it's gonna be uh dog day afternoon a movie that celebrates the trans community or <laughs> cruising the the movie that celebrates the gay community it's I, I think it's hard to ignore the power of dog day on this podcast yeah it won a freaking movie of the year greg yeah and also it's pacino and lume lumet together lume right? lumet and- it's a version of Airheads, so we all liked that. Yep. <laughs> we love a good version of the Airheads. You know that this show <laughs> celebrates every remake and pre-make of Airheads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's his name in Dog Day? Uh, Sunny. Sunny. That won't be confusing at all. Um, number five seed, Frank Slate from Scent of a Woman. Oh, boy. hoo <laughs> Hua uh, himself versus <laughs> Jonathan big, Hua, big boy Caprice from Dick Tracy. Now we're doing iconic here. Yes, we are doing iconic. Yeah, because I do think that Dick Tracy sort of went away despite Warren Beatty every ten years making a special for Late Night. <laughs> big boy, I think it was a big deal that Michael Corleone was playing the villain of fucking Dick Tracy when yeah. it came out. Uh but yeah, I, the other one. It's it's the role that broke Pacino's brain and career. Yeah, the other one is Frank Slade. And got him an Oscar. Man. Yeah. Uh, and we would miss his blind driving, right? We'd miss his who I mean, uh, like, we know that Dick Tracy is something that happened. Mm-hmm. It's like a fact of cinema that it happened. I had cards. I remember. Yeah, uh, there were cards. There was, like, a big, there a big, like, marketing push. If I'm alone and I have tracing paper... It's you're going down. D- you're Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I like that. Um, and I remember that the bad guy turned out to be Madonna. Mm-hmm. But that's like it, right? There's nothing else from that. Nobody remembers anything else from that movie. People remember more about Dick Tracy from the movie Truth or Dare than they remember from <laughs> the movie so Dick Tracy. True. And Ryan, Ryan you, you mentioned the Warren Beatty like, um, late night things. They do that to like hang on to the rights right. or something, right? Because <laughs> as an 85-year-old, he still thinks that he is the Dick Tracy and might make the sequel and, at some point. But won't, but just keeps doing weird late night things with Leonard Malton. I, and I've watched them all. I've seen the it's, whole catalog. The real arc is, what if Dick Tracy's head was this big now? And that's always <laughs> shocking. I have to say, I can have a phone call on my watch. So we finally caught up <laughs> to Dick Tracy technology. All right, well, uh, it sounds like Frank Slade is moving on. Up next is number two, star of many a poster on uh, college frat boys' walls, Tony Montana from Scarface 
versus number 15, and I would like to make a very strong case for Aldo Gucci from House of Gucci. Okay, this, like I said about the Devil's Advocate. Father, son, House of Gucci. This is just putting Al Pacino where he belongs. Just yes. sh- over the top screaming. House of Gucci is nonstop over the top performances by some of our like scenery chewingest actors of all time. <laughs> and they are all trying to gnaw as much scenery as they possibly can. Every one of his lines is hoo ah hoo Gucci gang, just- Gucci gang. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos, the movie. <laughs> Chew it all out. And I get the feeling that for a cinema podcast, we have an extremely low collective opinion of Scarface. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've never understood it. Uh, cool poster, but it is a trash movie. Yeah. Uh, so does that mean that Aldo Gucci can slip through? I don't a- think so, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not not from here. <laughs> this is the first one I feel like I have to put to a vote. Mike, what do you think? I, uh, I'm king hate Scarface, but come on. I, I can't. It is, <laughs> think of all those college boys and yeah, their posters. Think we of all those down. posters, man. That would be like not having the girl, the guest girls that kiss make it to the <laughs> next round, right? How could we do that? Okay. Um, number seven seed is Benjamin Ruggiero. And I meant to look up what that was from. Is that, uh, Donnie Brasco? That's from Donnie Brasco. Good job. I can see the I can see the D. Uh, I can see the D, everybody. Uh, versus number ten seed, Carlito Brigante from Carlito's Way. Yes. Now it's got to be Carlito's Way, right? It does, right? I've never seen Carlito's Way. Am I missing out? Uh, oh, I think has. it's fine. It's Brian De Palma again. Who? Oh, De pa- well, De Palma just won me over with Sisters, right, Ryan? He also made Scarface. And he made Scarface. Well, this guy's a busy bee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Uh, Donnie Brasco is a movie that I fucking love and was surprised because we've done 1997. I didn't look up our 97 bracket, but we did not do a Donnie Brasco show, and that is stupid of us. I bet it was a near thing. We only did eight eight movies then. We we were yet to the big 16. Plus, to be fair to us, we were probably back then, we were probably like, Johnny Depp, ew. (laughs) So, uh, but Donnie Brasco was amazing, and I love the late career. Uh, I'm going to play a loser. Like, he, you know, made his career on playing gangsters, and now he's like the most pathetic, most loser gangster. Yeah, getting fucking taken by an undercover cop, which he also made his career playing. <sighs> Donnie Brasco rules. <laughs> I'm actually voting for it. Mike, do you agree? Uh, Carlito's way was iconized, lionized. Sure, any frozen of those. carbonite. By uh, the there. cast of Love singing a song about Carlito's Way that's in my head all the time. So no, it's gonna have to be Carlito's Way for me. Is oh that- yeah, Love has that thing where they all get together and they like make up. Is that why you love the Perfect Storm so much? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you didn't have ice cream, it wasn't the Perfect Storm. Uh, so it sounds like Benjamin Ruggiero moving on. What's up to you, bud? Oh, it's up to me. Then that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like that just happened right there. Uh, our next matchup is number three seed, Frank Serpico from a movie called Serpico mm-hmm. versus number 14 seed from our 2002 season. The movie was Insomnia and the character was Will Dormer, which is that's so great. Because that, that sounds like sleepy. or is that Right? <laughs> so that's nice. I like that. I enjoy that. Um, that's the number 14 seed. Does anybody want to argue that for the insomnia character, I could it, I I could see arguing that Serpico should be the number one seed, and Will Dormer should not be in this bracket. Yeah, I would say Serpico would be a I think a, a good number one seed. But yeah, Michael Corleone, I, I guess you know that's, that's I a, guess. it's it's because it's iconic. I think he's great in Insomnia. 
and that movie rules, but come on. Insomnia is a great movie. If you have not checked out uh, Insomnia, please do. And I believe uh, we our episode of that actually made it. I don't think that's one of our our special lost episodes. Wait, hold on. Are we at like fifty fifty now? Where yeah, dude, <laughs> it's pretty. Ba- every season, well, not 50/50, every fifty, every, every season, no, every season has one, and I just it, uh, it was unforgiven. W- not is that the right name of the movie? The no. Diane Lane movie, unfaithful. Oh, unfaithful. unfaithful. Uh, yeah, unforgiven. Well, that is, is you're right. Couple. That is that yeah, season's lost episode. That's not as devastating as a brighter summer day. No, a brighter summer day no. is the saddest. Is that movie so ever fucking happened. long. I watched that movie twice. It's four hours long. And then we lost the team. That's a full nine to five. <laughs> uh, okay, so our last matchup with the Wait, first... I'm sorry. Hold on. Who won? Oh, Serpico. Oh. Who's Ser- that? Serpico. Might have had Serpico a little always bit... wins. I think that's the point of this movie. <laughs> Might have had a little bit of an edge there. Uh, and then uh, our last matchup of this first round, six seed Vincent Hanna from Heat versus 11 seed Tony D'Amato from Any Given Sunday. And I know it's the lower seed, but when people talk about Pacino... This is the first character I think of. The inches we need all around us, right? Come on. That's not how sports works, though, right? He had a great end zone. (laughs) You put the ball right up in. (laughs) But Heat has to be, I mean. uh, I'm a loud and proud Scarface hater. Yeah. I don't love Heat. You don't love Heat? I think Heat is a little overrated. Yeah, you're a quiet and timid Heat hater. Yeah, well. Because the fucking Bill Simmons universe, who have anointed Heat as this like all-time Citizen Kane, yeah, it's a fine movie, and that's another Michael Mann, right? Yes, yes, I agree. Heat, the worst superhero of all time. Heat, <laughs> all the, damn it, all, all the powers of me. That's <laughs> I was bitten by a radioactive Michael. Oh wait, I'm sorry, he was not radioactive. <laughs> he just fucking bit me. This rabbit, <laughs> Mike. He's on fire, and he's afraid of water. Um, but between the two of those, which one is moving on? Mike. Uh, Heat. Heat Man. Ryan. I can't remember what the second one was. Uh, Any Given Sunday. I'm uh, I'm going with Coach D'Amato of the Miami Sharks. Let me tell you what I like about Coach D'Amato. <laughs> He's sitting at a bar, and a woman like 25 years his junior comes and hits on him. And is like, do you want to go upstairs? And it turns out she's a prostitute. And he is so shocked. And I just think that is so special. You thought that a woman, a beautiful woman, 25 years younger than you, just approached you at a bar because you're the coach of the L.A. Sharks? Greg is describing a crystal ball of our future. (laughs) I'm not mad at it. Uh, But uh, since it is me, I'm going to say Tony D'Amato. Moving on. Uh, You know, he made Willie Beeman a a star. That is true. That is true. Uh, Jamie Foxx, speedy recovery. Please stop being anti-Semitic. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, in the next round, we have Michael Corleone versus John Milton, the literal devil. What do you guys think? Do you know what? MC. I'm sorry, what? MC. Oh, MC. Uh, MC's cat cat. In Paradise Last, that devil would just uh, wrap hell like in his nutsack and just fly around with it. Yeah. He would just take it with him when he went to heaven and other places. Also, don't you think it's, it's clever because like, John Milton in Paradise Lost, he makes the devil like the good guy, and so that kind of is a is it like the devil would take that name right because he's like here's a guy who understands me. The devil would wear Prada, but he's out. It's <laughs> Michael Corleone. Fucking, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, okay, how about um, Sonny from Dog Day Afternoon versus uh, Frank Slade from Scent of a Woman? Oh, I mean, I think all three of us were waiting to get Frank Slade the fuck out of here. Yeah, right. Possible, right. <laughs> Mike, do you Ooh, agree with uh, that? Yeah. Okay, how about Scarface 
versus Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco. It's got to be Scarface. Right. We just I, our personal preferences can't get in the way of this. But please, thirty percent of a woman. <laughs> Go watch uh, Donnie Brasco. It's a wonderful movie. And then this is like this. I think this is coming up pretty easy. Serpico versus Coach D'Amato. I was the Coach D'Amato guy. I feel like from the last one, but and not. we're both going to be Coach D'Amato now. Yeah. But now not. I'm going to flip it. It's Coach D'Amato. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely <laughs> a, Coach D'Amato. A clean sweep for Coach D'Amato. But honestly, it's Serpico right yeah. now. Yeah. All, all, all fun aside. I mean, if we picked Coach D'Amato, he would come up to get his award and then pull off a mask, and it's fucking Serpico. He did it again <laughs> to us. This you can tell this is faded to be because check this out: Michael Corleone versus Sonny. Right, that's his brother's name. Kind of the, and <gasps> isn't that kind of like who's gonna the spirit of the family, right? Who's right. it gonna be, Corleone? So, uh, Cor- well, they're both Corleone, Greg. <laughs> they're brothers. <laughs> I got the same. No, last some name brothers have different last names. I never had a brother. I'm not quite sure how it works. <laughs> That'd be awesome if your alpha brother just took your last name from yeah, you, <laughs> just broke <laughs> it over his knee. Uh, but Dog Day versus Godfather. Whew. What do we think? Any chance for Dog Day here? I mean, if we're thinking iconic, unfortunately not. Yeah, right. Oh, and who is his partner in Dog Day? Who is Sonny's partner in Dog Day? It's Fredo. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Fredo. Whoa. Way to reuse those names over and over, Italians. <laughs> well, I don't think that was his character's name. <laughs> Italians. <laughs> We're probably not supposed to say it, but that's fun, isn't it? <laughs> Italian. I can say it. I'm a wop. Well, you can say it. Yeah, man. That's so fun. You're Sicilian. You get away with so much stuff because of that. You're hitting a lot of bases. Everybody <laughs> conquered me, so I can say all the words. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. You get to say it because you're a wet ass pussy. Yep. <laughs> Macaroni in a pot. That's our, that's our people's national anthem now. Is that one of the most clever lines of all time? Macaroni in a pot. I mean, that's exactly what that sounds like. Everybody, she's very right about that. Um, Scarface from the movie Scarface or Serpico from the movie Serpico. Oh man, I wish there was an MCU team up here. <laughs> but no, it's uh, Scar- uh, Serpico by far. Say hello to my little I, friend, Serpico. I disagree. It's the, uh, the, the quotability, the posters, if we're talking iconic. I, oh, the posters. We always Scarface. take into consideration the posters. That is true. And, we're, okay. always, we're always Listen counting posters. Listen to one posters. thing I said, you stupid fucking asshole. No, we, it's, come on, Scarface is uh, way more iconic. If you have ever seen uh, a movie outside of the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. Then Which you are know... great movies, obviously. No, 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 they're very good. Yeah, it's, I don't know why you're dogging those great movies right now. It's clearly Serpico. I am also going to go with Serpico. So goodbye, Scarface. So we have one gangster who wants to go legit and one cop who does not want to go illegit. It is Michael Corleone versus Serpico. I'd also like to throw in a wrinkle right here. Uh, A third. Let's bring back Al Pacino from Jack and Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Duncan Chino himself? (laughs) At at this time, can can we throw out some Pacinos that we are surprised didn't make it? Sure. Jack Kevorkian Pacino? The Paterno Pacino? The Paterno Pacino. Paterno Pacino. Paterno Pacino is, first of all, a lovely dish, but also a TV movie. Number one, though, honestly, for me, was um, Irishman. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa was, it was just a supporting part. So, yeah, not quite the same. Yeah, and according to Letterboxd, the number one seed was Once Upon a Time in America, where he has two scenes, but they're not ranking it on... Al Pacino role. They're yeah. ranking it on like the popularity of that movie, which uh, I, I guess according to Letterboxd is more popular than The Godfather, Godfather Two, Scarface, wow. Serpico. Do yourself a favor, Letterboxd. Watch The Godfather. Put your the head Godfather out of your ass. Too. So who's it going to be? Michael Corleone or Frank Serpico? Serpico. Mike. Yeah, MC <laughs> Gangster's got it. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, obviously be. Michael Corleone. 
our number one seed, not surprising anybody, probably his biggest role, maybe the biggest role in all of cinema, maybe the biggest (laughs) role in like American entertainment for all time, Michael Corleone. When we come back, we have talked about so many movies. Could we please get back to talking about Serpico? No. Gentlemen, the acting in this movie is very big, very loud, but not necessarily in the Al Pacino stereotypical way. Does shouting to the back of the house augment the tension or undercut it? Mm. What do you say, Mike? It. Th- this could be like when you are a little kid and you think everything before the 30s was in black and white. Uh-huh. It feels like everybody is on some sort of substance that is new. They're coked out on disco Cocaine and dancing. In 1973, Mike. Mike. And they are all yelling all the time because things are just... Everything is cranked up to the top, whether it's anger, enthusiasm. So it's just like, yes, this is life, baby. I don't know. It it is huge. And if you're just walking in and out of a room like somebody I know was, it's going to sound like a dumb movie. But if you're sitting down watching, it really fits and creates its own vibe. Ryan, do you agree that the that the the acting goes to the yelling, the yellow sphere a little bit too much? Honestly, I don't think it's as often i think that the most memorable parts are full of yelling and yes. so those are the stickiest parts mm-hmm. um but i don't right. think it does like because there's so many other parts where uh his partner bob and he are in the subway uh smoking the weed and yeah like they, coming up with their plan we have scene. we have to set the scene this would have made me want to be a cop when i was a kid for sure so they're like way more than like beating up thugs and yeah they're like okay we got to police the smoking of marijuana cigarettes and there's honestly no way to do it without we all roll up jays and just get <laughs> stoned and hang out together and they just smoke pot and serpico who is very bohemian lives in greenwich village dresses very loud um He's just like, he holds the joint like a pro. And he's just yeah. like, ah, oh, damn. This is good stuff. And then he and his friend Bob hang out, who's also like a, a, a veteran stoner. So there's that subtlety there. Uh, like, he's uh, he's normcore. Like, he's a dork. Yeah. But yes. still. He looks he, the squarest you've ever right, seen. Right. But he, he's, he's fucked up. He's the type of stoner I am, where you blend and, like, everyone assumes that guy's a cop. He is. Everyone su- assumes I'm a cop. I'm not. I'm not even sure what they were kicking, but they called it a potato machine and they wanted... <laughs> yeah, they wanted those... They it wanted was a vending machine, but they just kept calling it... A potato factory. A little potato factory. <laughs> right. uh, this movie is famously... I guess allegedly, but I think it's pretty clear that this is the, that this is the case that they filmed it backwards, mm-hmm. um, and that they did that so that Pacino could have his hair completely grown out, full beard, and then they could oh, just like sense. keep like taking down little elements of it. I wondered watching it if that is the reason why the first half of the movie the acting seems a little bit more subtle, and the second half mm. everybody is screaming at each other because that's a hard. It's. I think it's hard to start with your big performances and then move towards your subtle performances. Maybe it makes your subtle performances better, but I felt like all the dr- high drama of this movie is what they filmed first, and that's why it seemed to me like there was just so much shouting, yelling, very big, well, high-energy scenes. I can totally see that, but I also think that, that uh, we were, were coming off of... The Godfather and the French Connection, which is like the most rip roaring 
cop movie of all time uh-huh. with chase scenes and all this stuff. And so right. they're like fam- some of the most famous car chases of all time. Right. right? Exactly. Like, yeah. I would put that in bullet is like responsible for all of the clip shows that you've ever seen with car chases. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're saying we have to replace these shootouts, which we're not going to have except for Serpico taking one right to the fucking cheek with something. We have to replace it with something. And so I think that is going to be screaming. The, the problem for Sydney, I think, is how do we do that and then also not make it seem like everybody paid for a movie theater ticket to watch a TV show? Yes. That's the hardest part. And Ryan. I think that getting a bunch of these character actors together and making them bigger than TV actors, which, you know, are already like big at the time, I'm assuming, like, you know, if you're a TV actor at the time, this is mostly from Quentin Tarantino. I didn't watch a lot of TV in 1973, but like you have to come <laughs> in, you have to like get your career going with this part. So you're going to be screaming and yelling at this point. Like I think Carol he, O'Connor, right? Isn't that Archie? Yeah. And he yeah. started off in like these B movies that Tarantino would watch. But yeah, like you have to sort of amp yourself up. And if Pacino is uh, raising the volume, you have no, everybody has no choice but to just keep going. And I, I also think what why it, why it works for me is that he's not just screaming hoo has is but yes. is everybody is one they're all playing triple roles right the, the the cops are often undercover but they're pretending to be good people when they're bad people yes. but and the 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 if you accuse anybody of doing the thing they're doing that is the angriest and loudest you will ever see them so or if you just the, don't participate in it with them. Right, like you see them doing, like an and you don't do it, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it all works is like I will get doubly angry because you're calling out a real thing here, and that's that. I feel like it really works. But yeah, you also have like taking money. Everybody right. knows if you really truly listen to your Jiminy Cricket, which is hard for them because they're cops, is bad. They know that it's bad, so they're also doing this thing of like I have to speak loud enough yeah and i have to use my face loud enough where i can completely ignore that thing i can make being on the take so normal that jiminy Mm -hmm. cricket can be ignored yeah and that's why everybody has to do it like it can't there can't be a single person that doesn't do it because then it's not a normal thing to do and i the other thing about the the yelling i think that we have to keep in mind is that like that is built into the story he mm-hmm. gets so overwrought and he's so freaked out that like his girlfriend says, I want to break up with you here. That way you couldn't start yelling. And he's like, I'll yell anywhere I want to yell. What, why I love that scene is because he yell, he's like, I'll shout anywhere. And then instantly, if we're talking about Nirvana again, he goes, I, I won't shout here, though. <laughs> like, and he gets uh, so quiet and timid. Also, gentlemen, not to pick, like point out fourth or fifth or sixth characters of this ensemble, but this movie does not take place in Seattle or Des Moines. Yes. This is... It like the movie spends a solid twenty minutes saying like this is dirty ass fucking dipshit New York. Yes. And as far as I know, having never been there, but I've seen countless movies about it, this is how this is people's normal register is screaming. Yeah. They're loud people. And they are walking here and they are eating pizza. Also, New York of like the seventies is what country music stars think the New York of today is. Uh-huh. I mean, like, there's a, a wild and woolly <laughs> territory where, like, you, you cannot expect your safety of the, your ears or of your person at any time. Someone would rip your ear right off. <laughs> just, they'll just tear it away. <laughs> then chug Pace Picante. <laughs> While we're uh, sort of, like, focusing on Serpico, there is a lot about Serpico's personal life in this. And there's a lot that hangs over the movie about, like, he's accused at one point of being a homosexual, and I feel like that never totally leaves the movie. 
he is shown constantly with women, but is he ever like he's never quite shown kissing or sleeping with them? What are we to make of like the kind of focus on his personal life, and what is this movie saying and not saying about that? That's interesting. The way that I always looked at it is that he is this guy, like not a player, but like a guy. I don't know if Lothario is the right word, but always a ladies' man. Uh, bit yeah, of a rake. A bit of a always has uh, some irons in the fire, and that's not. And he's not like cheating. It's just that Serpico can't be alone, right? Like yeah. he's never sleeping alone. He's always got somebody on, like Ryan. in on it. And there's one scene where he's telling a story, and it eventually leads to a back massage. And he's got like he's got his crudite, his cheese plate that I'm sure he has a million of. He just pulls them out every time a he girl comes like over. He seems like a crudite guy. Yeah, there's yeah. A, a lot of crudite everywhere, <laughs> and. I just I think that he's like he's that guy that right. feels better in in he feels more comfortable in the uh, audience of a women or one g- girl in particular than like a locker room full of guys yeah for sure. sure but just is always like sort of isn't this more fun to get introspective and talk about feelings and then fuck than it is to drink a ton and then fight each other. Yeah, he he's a sensitive boy. He he's reading a book about ballet early on and gets called out because the guy's like, Ooh, belly dancer." <laughs> he's like, "Ballet? Have you heard of ballet?" And is so pretentious and amazing in that scene. And dude, like, I, I got to think if I was a cop in 1973, the uh, being on the take thing aside, I would be like, "Hey, bud, uh, I don't want you to get killed. Don't do ballet in the." Yeah, policeman gym this, room. The looks he gets from so many people as he's going through the five positions well, in there, and what's interesting because the guy's like, he's like, yeah, I've been doing it after work. That's what keeps me so fit. And the guy's like, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Top Gun guy is in it, and he like flips out. You mean Back to the Future guy? Back to the Future principal is in it, and he flips out oh, in a yeah. way that indicates he has had like a negative experience in his life where someone tried to victimize him or something. Because he's like, "Are you sucking each other's dicks in here?" Well, he found boxers with semen on them, Greg. What the fuck? With that? Like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Where did you find these? What's going on? What are I you kept even talking digging about? and digging and digging, and finally I found my treasure: boxers with semen. And then Serpico does live in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. Which is like uh, bohemian, but also like a homosexual enclave at the time. And the first time I watched it, I was like, "Is this guy supposed to be gay?" But it seems like instead he's this type of guy that both you and I are, Mike. Frankly, which is so into women that people are like, "You're gay. <laughs> Why do you like ladies so much and their bodies? Is it because you're a queer?" Wait, you go down on girls? That's so fucking gay. <laughs> And uh, I think ultimately that's what it is, right? He likes banging chicks so much that people think he's gay for. But it, it is because because he, he's sensitive and yeah, because he he knows to be a good cop and it's just what he's into. He is he's intellectual. He's sensitive. Mm-hmm. He wants to be around poetry and art and all of those things. Like. Can and have been accused of like it's queer coded. Yeah. And, but the the Lothario thing and being alone, going back to the, his he has two big quote unquote loves here, right? The first one he meets in class. When she, he's walking into his apartment with the groceries and she's there, another yes. one of his neighbors walks out and kisses him. And he's like, ah, she's a crazy girl. I don't know what's going about that. Yes. And it is one of those things that's the second – because at first you're like, they're all crazy. It's Greenwich Village. And watching you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure he's lying. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's big at everything. Um, the crazy part, though, about the Back to the Future principal or <laughs> Dean from Top Gun is when he says, are you, are you an F-slore? And it's it's Serpico's reaction of like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like he's so taken aback by it that 
it's it, we're at this point we know how much integrity he has in the police force. We know how much integrity he has that he he's not saying racial slurs, right? Like he mm-hmm. everybody's equal in his mind except for this one thing. And I found it odd. I don't know if he's so he's so upset by an accusation that he might be gay. That I don't know if it was him Serpico acting or that's how you have to make a movie in 1973. That's how you have to write the dialogue or uh him like that's how you have to be in order to keep cops off your ass is you have to uh, performatively be like make right. sure everyone knows you're I think straight. that's what it is. I think honestly probably Serpico has been accused of being gay a lot. Yeah. Like because they'd happen to me all the time and there's no defense for it besides being like Clearly, I'm not. I'm the one that's with a different woman every week. Why would I be the gay guy? And I, I think it starts with his brother being like, why are you going to move to that? Yes. Neighborhood? Again, like it's one of those things like, oh, things are being said without being said openly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I, I could see him being truly bohemian. And he, I think Serpico fucks everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps his options open, right? Just like just Roman style. Here's my dick who wants it. The, <laughs> I think the other important moment, too, is that. He says at this giant party that feels like at any point, this is in the beginning of the movie, oh, yeah. could break into an orgy. He's like, hey, you want to stop telling people I'm a cop? Because that <laughs> yeah. is fucking, that's not doing great for my game. And so she does. And he starts connecting with people. And there's like a, this whole montage of him being like, essentially Spuds McKenzie. Like the <laughs> ultimate party animal. <laughs> and uh, then after the montage, and now he loves it. Like this is a huge change. Like he doesn't wear the uniform anymore. He's, you know, ultimately bohemian. And like, it's a different costume every day. And we don't know if it's undercover or just that's the style. And there's this clip at the end of the montage of his girlfriend at the time going like, Serpico, everyone loves yes! you. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the party, she's like, Serpico, you're a hit. Everybody loves you. You're I'm the most Serpico, pop- baby. <laughs> Dunkachinos for everyone. Just six shooters into the air. She says it. Shut the fuck up. I know that was you. I ain't even got to look. I don't even have to look. When we come back, something else entirely. Genre switch. We are switching genres. We love the movies of 1973, and I think, by and large, we would agree that they are each in their proper genre. Correct, gentlemen? Like we like well, Serpico as a as a thriller, or do we feel like it needs to change genre? I would honestly remake it as the music video thriller. <laughs> yeah. I uh, as Johnny Hollywood, as people call me. I'm not coming up with new ideas, Greg. I need to remake everything from 1973. Yeah. We're going to make a remix. There is a writer's strike. And so uh, what we have to do here is train our little AI brains by recombining uh, good ideas that are already out there. And so we're going to take some of the 1973 movies we haven't had a chance to look at in depth yet um, and just switch the genres around a little bit. So, gentlemen, the first thing I would like to do is the movie The Long Goodbye. Uh, sort of like a noir comedy, right? That a lot of people would agree. Wow, that's perfect. That's a perfect genre for that. Now me, I want to see it as a musical. What would that be like? Okay, what's good and makes it easier? Musicals are also shaggy and overlong, often. <laughs> so just like Elliot Gould's that. hair. <laughs> and you, there's gonna be a hit song, like it, like heavy stuff is happening. But in the middle, we need some levity, and it's gonna just be like, "Here's my cat." You know I really love my cat. I feel us getting a music number just out of the perpetually naked neighbors. 
right? Oh, like yeah. a lot of like harmonies, you know, multiple women singing at the same time, kind mm-hmm. of like the the angels in a fountain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of him breaking through like they're doing it again. <laughs> I may be a short guy, but there's gonna be a long goodbye. <laughs> right? I, I I think we got Standing O. Standing th- O for that. I think we we got legs here. Um, no bridge noir, you know, but I think there's a, a lot to work with there. Ryan, anything you want to add? He's shaking his head. No, and indicating that there's nothing he would like to add. He to hates that. musicals. So. He does. Ryan is known for absolutely hating musicals. Um, Mike, I do appreciate the fact that you acknowledged that the long goodbye is a little bit of a shaggy a little bit of a shaggy I, dog there. And I'll say it and I'll say it again when we finally get there. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Yes. But, oh man, is it meandering? You have to be in the right, like, go, let's go anywhere kind of movie. I'm so glad before I saw, what was the Thomas Pynchon? He was the, the P.T. Anderson. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Inherent Vice. I'm so glad somebody's oh. like, oh, it's like Long Goodbye. Because now I'm like, oh, I know, it's, I, I, I can strap into this. I'm an Inherent Vice guy. I like that movie, Inherent Vice. It's so good. It's such a weird movie, and it's so <laughs> interesting. Um, I also feel like we have to incorporate his weird mumbling like, oh, yeah. there has to be, like, a Hamiltonian almost, like, rap, but it's just him <laughs> mumbling to himself about, like, the modern state of the world. Mumble rap has been too easily forgotten and not put on stage yet. <laughs> we need to go back to Mumblecore, and we need to do it right now. Um, Mike, a lot of people, Mike and Ryan, you know what, I'll address both of you. Ryan, eh, you're fine with that, I'm Ryan. Sure. He doesn't like um, musicals. As everybody knows, uh, I am afraid to watch the movie the exorcist and i think what it comes down to more than anything else it's not any particular scenes it's not the jump scares right um the masturbation with the cross it's not the masturbation with the cross it's not hearing a little girl saying your mother sucks cocks in hell um which you know if you're gonna be in hell you might as well enjoy yourself um <laughs> but nancy uh, reagan are you listening <laughs> throat groat of hell right. and hollywood <laughs> yeah um i think the problem with the exorcist honestly is that it's a horror movie. Um, mm. I think it would be better for me, and not everybody's going to agree with this. I might like it more if it were a buddy comedy. Ryan, what do you think that the buddy comedy Exorcist might be like? Okay, so instead of Pazuzu getting all up in that girl's brain, yes, Pazuzu pulls up a car and says, "Reagan, get in." <laughs> we are. This isn't buddy cop. This is just buddy comedy. Just buddies. Uh, we're yeah. Going, it says buddy comedy. We're going shopping. <laughs> get get in garbage. Reagan, we're going shopping. And she's like, Mom, can I? And Ellen Burson's like, Yes, fine. And then they and then but the little girl and Reagan go shopping. Pazuzu. Pazuzu, Pazuzu and, and, and Reagan, Reagan, yeah. Go shopping. So it's it's Linda Blair in makeup and Linda Blair out of makeup. <laughs> Linda <laughs> right. Blair and Linda Blair now, go shopping. But they are driving across the country and hitting all the biggest malls in America. Yes, which, I mean, back then, the malls were like so still something, something to look at. I'm imagining everywhere they go, she's doing the upside-down crab walking. Oh, yeah. right? <laughs> when, when they, like, she needs to sneak into an 18-over movie theater or something. Like, there, there's hijinks there. She still says... To somebody cuts them off while they're driving, their mother sucks cocks in hell. Uh, they're like, I don't want to pay for this meal because it made my friend sick. And then it cuts to Pazuzu and head spins and pukes everywhere. I am imagining that we go, we have a montage and we go back to the well that is projectile vomiting several oh, yeah. times, mm. right? So it's like uh, she comes out and it's like one outfit looks good and she like nods. She comes out, <laughs> another one looks like a little wacky and she's just like 
puking in all directions, and then we just go back to that a few times. The Blair and Bitch it gets Project. Bigger and bigger. The Blair Bitch Project. No, Ryan. No? No, I'm not going to accept that. Like. And like, to, to give it some tension, because even Buddy Comedy's like, Max Van Sydow hates fashion. Yes. And so he's trying to track them yes. down to stop them from shopping. Or Max Van Sydow has said, if anybody's lawn goes brown in this neighborhood, I'm going to buy the town and I'm going to turn it into a factory. And so it's up to her becoming a sprinkler for everyone's lawn, <laughs> shooting fertilizer and mulch onto lawn. I don't know how lawns work. You shoot puke. fertilizer and mulch on them. That's exactly how it works. Um, 1973 featured a very important Bruce Lee movie, Enter the Dragon. But to me, that sounds like the title of like one of these Hannibal movies. So I would like to do Enter the Dragon, but it's a slasher movie. What would that be like, Mike? Okay. Slashers are so often going up against virginal teens. Groups of teens, yeah. And so one man who's been partying with those teens and maybe teaching them some karate says, no, you killed my young friends, and now I'm coming after you, slasher. And so he is the slasher's boogeyman. He's he actually kill going... all the slashers. Because what his... I was thinking of was imagine – Instead of Jason haunting these kids at a camp, it's just Bruce Lee. Oh, and instead terrifying. of using a machete, he just comes out and kicks them to death. Can't, <laughs> is there a knife on his foot? Or? No, it, it's nope. not. The slash is just the slashing of his foot through the air. Has he not clipped his toenails in a long time? Yes, Probably. he's cutting those throats with those toenails. Uh, can the opening scene, in like a scream sort of way, uh, can it be the murder of a singing detective and two little girls, a blonde and a Pazuzu, and that's who <laughs> dies. I'm trying to, like, we need to universe You think guys. we need to put these together? Yeah. What we need is a shared universe. Right. A shared I, 1973 universe. 73 EU. Oh, man, yeah. I think the market has clearly shown that if you have a shared universe, that's what people really want. You want to and invest build in it up front. before people even like one movie. Yes. Really before put you're even done with the first tissue. movie. So, like, in the uh, uh, post-credit scene of... The long goodbye, the musical. You have Bruce Lee at the end saying to Elliot Gould, I'm going to kill you at some point. Well, yeah. You, you show it just like the Fast franchise where Han dies and you just see legs and later you find out that's Jason Statham's legs. So <laughs> then you, you're like, what is the continuity of the 73 EU? Yeah. It's all over the place. You don't even know. And, and I think it's most important for the people who are writing, like creating the universe. To honestly to not never know. know what is no, the continuity of the post. universe. Yeah. Figure you d- that out right. post. You don't want to get bogged down in details. Like, where are we going? Or, just, or you always want to like, text together. your editors, figure this out, please. Oh, man. My, I was hanging out with my sister today, and we were just having, me and her kids Greg. were just having a conversation uh, about all the ways in which the Star Wars movies don't align meaningfully. <laughs> and it's like they went out of their way to make sure that nothing lined up the way it was supposed well, to. Well, when it becomes a revenge water balloon fight between <laughs> two directors, like, <laughs> When it becomes the site of a tragic gasoline fight. <laughs> All right. Teen dramas. Everybody loves them. Facts. The Bond movie, Live and Let Die, nobody has ever liked. I think the problem is these two awesome flavors need to be combined. Ryan, what would the teen drama version of Live and Let Die be like? All right. Young James Bond. 
James it, Bond Jr., if you will. James, if you remember that 90s His cartoon? nephew, not his son, <laughs> because you're not allowed to do that in cartoons. No one can have a yeah. kid because they fucked then. Right. But as long as it's like a nephew. So he's James Bond Jr., the nephew of James Bond. Donald Duck would say, hey, Uncle Scrooge, here are my nephews. Yes. Also, your nephews. <laughs> yeah. Because no one shot Nobody's his. balls <laughs> ever contain nope. any Nobody's character. Nobody's corkscrew dick. <laughs> dick ever entered into a vagina. So James Bond Jr., played right. by Sean Connery right. Jr., um, commits a crime in Chino. <laughs> <laughs> and... A lawyer has to come and pick him up. Right. Can that lawyer just because we still want to have some live and let die? Welcome to Nolan, bitch. Uh, th- there is a a tarot reader who's psychic. Can the lawyer also be a psychic tarot card reader? I'm sorry, Tara Reed plays a psychic. Is that what you just said? Yes, I think so. Well, if we're going teen comedies, we need Tara Reed who we plays need a Tara psychic. Reed. Man, that whole movie, you wait for it to turn out that she's somehow not a fortune teller. <laughs> But it just doesn't happen. It's just like, nah, th- th- she reads the future. Also, she has whipped cream and cherries covering her genitalia <laughs> the entire time. Um, maybe we can, because it's for teens, uh, just for funsies, make ours not racist. How about the... Uh, teens the, hate racism. You're right. That's not going to make... The Dr. No dollars. <laughs> is what I would call it. All right. And last but not least... The movie High Plains Drifter mm. has a lot of potential and I think would be even better as an occult movie. What would that be like, I wonder? It kind of is. Yeah, I know. When I when I picked this one totally randomly, uh, there was a couple things I tried to like put with this movie and I realized this is like an occult movie, isn't it? <laughs> How about the lady that... Clint Eastwood rapes in the beginning, or hero rapes in the beginning of the movie. The one of the two women that he does that to. Sorry, the first one. Yes. She's the one that starts the cult. Yes. Instead of having to be Clint, it's this woman who's like, hey, we're going to have this cult against fucking cowboys. And then they just start killing cowboys. Oh, that's with magic. Or guns. A cult or cult? Uh, yeah, is it a cult or cult? A cult. Oh. Yeah. And she's a witch. With magic. Yeah. And she's a witch. I thought it was a cult movie. I thought it was it, a it, it's cult movie. No, it's an occult. occult movie. In a cult movie. In a cult movie. How about movie. a cult of witches? A cult <laughs> that covers all the bases. Weirdly enough, though, this movie kind of is that. Mm-hmm. Because it's not totally clear that this character is not literally the devil mm-hmm. who comes and literally creates hell on Earth. Paints all, pa- literally paints the town red? Yeah, and then, yeah, and like... Just paints hell on the on the sign going to the town. I'm so sorry, Greg. I'm not a good panelist. Did we... Is High Place Drifter in the top 16? The Sweet 16? Nope. It's not. It, uh, didn't, got it didn't make it. And thank goodness, because there's no... Were we just too nervous? There, well, there's like... It's so hard to be like, okay, so the protagonist raped somebody right away, but moving past that to really get into the movie, it's just like the way in which it's not handled or d- digested by the movie, the way in which like we are left to know that it's wrong and then have the movie perpetually show us that the movie doesn't actually consider it that wrong. Like, I have a solution. We give Drop Pad a clip of us saying that it's wrong. It's wrong. And so every time we talk about the movie, he can just shout that out. That's wrong. That we already said that it was wrong. Yeah. But yeah, so we are we have steered clear of that whole... Steer clear of that and right into Last Tango in Paris. So that, that'll that be fun. Oh, yeah. That definitely is on the list. That's a devil he used butter. 1973, everybody. We only picked the year and the movies. We don't think anything that they do is acceptable, including Serpico with all the graft... And when we come back, we're going to be talking about that again. 
This is our second Pacino slash Lumet film, and third Lumet film in general. What magic happens when the two work together? Is Lumet not heralded because he seems to be more of an actress director than a technical visionary? Now, first of all, do we agree that this is not one of Hollywood's most heralded directors? I mean, that's such a good question. I think that like as time goes on, he is. But I think that part of it is because he wrote, he literally wrote the book Smart. about making movies Smart called movie. Making Movies. Ah, and I think that that's good so oft-referenced. Right. But the book, <laughs> what's crazy about the book is that uh, it's like, movies, not hard. Just fucking put a camera up. You know, and so like, yeah. I think that sort of hurt his legacy in a way of like, I don't even try hard. Just fucking point to things and cameraman will shoot it. Is this movie, Mike, is this a technically brilliant movie, like in terms of its directing? I think there's more going on than it's his name just isn't often mentioned. And this is maybe isn't real film people. This is people who think they're film people. So they only talk about the hits. They only talk about the new Bretts of Hollywood and Tarantino and Nolan. <laughs> Those seem to be the only fucking names. Uh and yet his it doesn't feel like a lot's going on cuz it no there's there's not a scene that he's like I'm the fucking director now but he switches from like steady cam it feels like documentary style in the beginning of the movie to uh-huh. actual movie and like as Serpico is what at first you think dying and remembering his life there is like a it's almost sepia tone <laughs> as the cops graduate at Columbia for some reason and <laughs> I, I think he he knows what to do and so each scene feels very disparate but stitches together in a really natural way i just think he is so i think he is unassuming says why does this is not hard right. so it doesn't feel like he needs to remind you that he's there at all times i think that there's an i agree with all of that uh but i think that there's an issue with i think you get a bad rap if you don't have that ability to have people watch a scene of yours and have people go like oh that's kubrick right uh mm. that's Kubrick," you know and right. that's not fair because it's awesome to be Hitchcock and it's awesome to have such a style that is that called out. But also you're not the star. The movie's the star. I feel like yeah. the director should know that more than anybody. And for you to be able to change genres, you know, like uh, one of my favorite directors right. is Howard Hawks and you, no one, no one would ever be able to pick out a right. Howard Hawks scene, you know, like the way that he, or Billy Wilder is probably my favorite. And it with Billy Wilder. You can pick out tone, mm-hmm. you know, you can pick out how this is sort of like, it's, laugh out loud funny but also darkly caustic kind of thing but it's not where the camera goes like it is with Spielberg and Kubrick yeah and I think Lumet has that as well watching Serpico and we talked in earlier in the show about are the cops so bad are there so many bad cops that this is borderline farcical and I don't think it is and I think that's a failure of the movie I think that it's somewhere in between realistic and farcical and what it made me think is that although this is our third Lumet movie I think that we have done three of the top four, but not his best. Mm. And I think that when he finally achieved what he was going through with going and forward what is with this movie, best? it's network. Oh, Be- yeah. Because with network, right. it, what he was creating a just turn to 11 real world. I, I, everybody says, you know, like uh, Ned Beatty's speech in that movie, it all came true, blah, blah, blah. But really, it's an over exaggerated world. And it is like the perfect magnifying glass slash satire of the real world that Serpico almost is like or should stay is. away from and you know yeah yeah and there's the hints like we've talked about throughout his his costumes but it's not just his costumes it's Rebello, one of his early dirty partners is wearing just like a 1910s hobo hat like a yes. lot of the cops when they're dressing up are feels Zucker brother in 
in mm. how out there they are. <laughs> oh, I thought about the Zucker Brothers the entire time. Yes! Mean, obviously yes! with the Hasidic Jew costume, but like, there's so many parts where like people walk into the scene and you're like, this is... Dude, there's a part where this he... This is walk- airplane. There's a part where he walks in and he's just got like this big cane. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really honestly like... And yeah, so it feels like he halfway did the reality turned up to 11 and then almost remembered like... Well, no, but I want this to be kind of gritty. Right. And so then it has like this weight pulling it back down. But So it, it's halfway to the satire that he will eventually achieve a network. And it's also a lot of these things aren't even aimed for satire. They're aimed for time saving. I want to display so many years right. and so many events in the shortest amount of time. So I have to cheat. Yeah. And that means a ton of scenes of very short Lots right. of costume changes, alter- alternating like the ridiculousness of the costumes. One of the funniest cuts is not costumes, but it's when him and his stony but square looking, like the other good cop friend, Bob. they go to the mayor's assistant and he's like, we're going right to the mayor. Things are going to change. And then a hard smash cut to, I yeah. couldn't be more embarrassed. It's <laughs> yeah. the fucking funniest laugh line. That's uh, the reporter, the, the reporter that's like, we're going to bust this <laughs> wide open. And he's like, you know, summer's not a good time to unveil <laughs> <laughs> new news stories. We got too many, like, go into the beach stories and to talk about. And then it cuts to Serpico or pans over. And this is like the 14th time he's heard it in mm. the last 14 minutes. And he's like, you got to be fucking shitting me. Is, is it a little hard to keep track of how this movie is flying through time? And I don't know if this is a Lumet, like, problem or not. But, like, you did allude to this, Ryan, that, like, sometimes there are there will be three scenes in a row and the time in between the scenes is like two years. Right. And I, sometimes it's a little dizzying for a two hour movie to cover 12 years. Right. Well, I think this is why there could be an argument that this is better, if not more iconic than Michael Corleone. And that is, there's a lot of this filmmaking that if you were to, in the classic scenario of come downstairs with all the film reels and run into somebody and they all spill <laughs> and you put them back together and then you play the movie, it still works, right? Like, yeah. But it's up to Al Pacino to go from a uh, bright-eyed kid to just obsessed psychopath to put all of the scenes in an order because otherwise there is no order. And the size really of the dog. It's just the same thing. And the size of the dog. <laughs> that really which, helps. That's, that's the Lumetia shit of all. Like... I need something else, right? To right. show that time has passed. And <laughs> I wish that at the end, uh, the dog was just like 40 feet tall. Or, <laughs> it just Clifford's it. Yeah, or at the end it said like, and then the dog, you know, grew so big it exploded an apartment. And I do think in 73, it was probably a little bit more obvious because we look back at it and we're like, okay, is this the 60s or the 70s? But I bet in 73, it was very clear based on the fashions right. and stuff, like how, to, or I bet it was more clear. Uh, how time moved on. I will say, I do really respect his ability, uh, Lumet, to just recede into the background because I think we've seen so many movies where it feels like the directors are like really waving it in our faces or something. And there are there are shots in this movie where you could see he potentially could go overboard, like mm-hmm. turning one scene into a oneer. Mm-hmm. But instead. He just, no, let's organically cut here and here and get, like, some of the feeling of a one by having one long take, but then go into other takes. And I just think there's, like, almost a certain bravery to just letting the movie breathe and not have to, like, dominate the audience with your genius. Well, it's what I said time. earlier, are you the star or is the movie the star? And it made me think, yeah. of, are you a stand-up director? Or are you an improv director? Are you there for the group and just the best in general? Or are you there because you need to fucking own everything? 
you know, where we love Altman, but it's like he doesn't care about the script. He doesn't care about anything else no. except for like establishing himself as a presence and like as yeah, as like uh, the third character in every yes, scene. Yeah, creating the energy that right. goes into every scene. And I choose the conversation topic, and I choose when the conversation's over, and all of that shit is true about a director. I just don't need to know about right. it. Yes, and I love Altman, but like. We need. He we makes know. it so we need to know. The only type of shot, and it's not Lumet's not the only one who does this, but the only type of shot that when I see it in the movie, I think, oh, that's Lumet, is that like holding something very close in focus while also having something in the background yeah. be in focus. Those are the only shots where I ever like noticed him. You know, right? Which is you know, it's still. I mean, like, if you guys, I think Dog Day Afternoon is the most directed movie that we've watched. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is because it is just a crescendo of tension for two hours. Um, but I do think that this movie gave us the verdict. Like, right. Yeah. The verdict is a shorter amount of time. It's right. not as epic in scale. But this was this is him learning how to show one man's descent into torment and obsession yes. and like a life not worth living like was this even any of this worth it i'm old i'm past my prime uh i think that because of serpico uh and i think the verdict is a far superior movie to Serp- than serpico i think he was able to not give us paul newman's youthful lawyer years yeah in the verdict and just yeah. showed us the important part right. of the story you know yeah. speed round uh is this the most 1973 movie of all time Mike, I think New York is so Ryan. Sorry, yeah, New York Mike? is New York. <laughs> even now in modern things, the 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 two thousand mid two thousands Daredevil TV show made New York once again feel like the seventies. Like mm-hmm. this, when people Mike. think of New York, it's always the seventies because right. yeah. that was so the Joker iconic. movie. Yes, it really is. Ryan, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I just like the way, everything about it, like. You know, uh, we're gonna watch every movie that we're gonna watch. We're gonna be like, this feels a little late '60s. This feels a little late '70s. This is so fucking disgustingly '73. It has that shambolic feeling, which is feel to me is very 1973. Yeah, I will say the one way in which it it is a is a step away from being the perfect '73 movie to me is the score is very like Italian kitchen. Oh, yeah. Uh, if it had more Waka Chakas, I think that this would have been the most 73 movie of all time. But they, the score was like more of like a classic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like you expected, like the score sounded like the music that Serpico's mom would listen to while she made him a delicious pasta sauce. I got hints of this the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I would rather have Greg saying Waka Chaka throughout this movie yeah. than listen to a second of this music. This right. is it's, the score sucks. I it cannot loud put, and annoying, yes. <laughs> yes. But like it's there, so much mandolin. There's no way that the composer watched the movie. There's no way that the no. composer had ever composed music for a movie before. Right. There's no way that the composer had composed music period before. Like oh. I cannot believe this is the worst I've ever seen. And the 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 feeling is way off. Like I, I agree wholeheartedly with the idea that, that that this person never saw the movie, and like to have this guy walking around looking like the '60s becoming the '70s, and then all the music is like totally discordant to that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it, there's a and there's no what like a diegetic. There's like no environmental music in right. this either. And there's even a party, and the party like doesn't have any like really interesting music. And for there to no be no part where like he opens the door and it's like Serpico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and there's there, as far as sound in general goes, there's some seventy three as fuck shit. Like when he throws that one fucking guy, like he rests a guy, and the cops take him up, and they're all hanging out with him. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry about Serpico. And Serpico comes up, takes like throws him against the wall, pulls his pants and underwear down, <laughs> yeah, and then throws him into the jail cell. And when he throws him into the jail cell, it's the most cartoon bowling ball into bowling pins. <laughs> and there's a lot of seventy three ishness like that, but that. That's just I sort of accept that with the times. I don't mm. accept shitty scores. Like I, I've never written a score before. What, what the music made me think, and, and rewatching especially the beginning, and if you didn't know Serpico was a real guy, that he is dead he, when he gets shot in the face, and all of this is him remembering. Yeah. So that is his mom's kitchen music, and that's it's filtering through, and he's dying, and the like him years later at the board being like, and things will change, or as his last breath being like, and I really changed it, <laughs> like. And then at the board when he's talking to everybody, he hits play on a tape recorder, and it's the music from this movie. Yes, so. and he holds it up above his head. <laughs> um, Frank and Bob get the idea to take down the police force because they are high as fuck. Should more cops be high as fuck, Ryan? I think so. <laughs> I I think that most cops should do. Ryan. What's the amount of heroin where you just die? Fentanyl. Are we allowed to say that? It's the, the amount fentanyl? of heroin is fentanyl. Oh no, no, no! Cops are so allergic to fentanyl, guys. It's if they crazy. hear you say it, it, they run away. Isn't that what's really happening, though? Isn't it that the cops are high all the time, and that when they bust people for drugs, they take the drugs, and then when they don't, they don't expect no. there to be fentanyl in them. And they so. take money, but they don't take <laughs> drugs. No, not the cops. If, I think it, cops already are high as fuck all the what time. What if they never spend the money? They just take the money to roll it up so they can do the drugs. I've heard that the cops don't even touch that th- their heist money that they steal. It's, they just <laughs> they put it in a big locker. They're like, you know what? We're just going to impound this money. We're going to look after it. The money will be here if anybody needs it, and we don't have to do anything to account for it. So that is two votes for yes, the cops yeah. should be high as fuck. But they yes. should be stoned. Less, less aggressive drugs, more weed drugs. <laughs> I, I think all cops should do a line of fentanyl and then go on that Boston slide and fucking get wrecked. Oh, man. I could watch that guy slide. <laughs> Man, that is our generation Serpico for sure. <laughs> no idea, um, but I love we've it. We've talked about this a little bit. How funny is the movie supposed to be? And how funny is the guy supposed to be? Well, uh, f- to take the first part, is Lumet tickled by Serpico? Does Lumet does Lumet so. admire Serpico or is he like kind of like, <laughs> look at this guy? Both. I think he feels like this is somebody. This is someone who's never going to fit in. He's a big weirdo, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Lumet feels that, and then also feels how he is like heroic, and how that makes him like the Miles Morales of this movie. That be- what makes him stick out is what makes him good. And so I think he is trying to bring out both of those things. Yeah, I think Serpico is supposed to be funny, but I I was laughing my ass off throughout this movie, like loud guffaws, and I don't know if that's Lumet's intention. Like, I mean, I anytime he. It. Anytime he just walks into the precinct, yes. whether he is dressed as himself or as one of his undercover <laughs> things, it is like so bonkers every time. You can't help but laugh. And then clearly the character, they are trying to show that like he uses humor to disarm and that it works with hot women, but it doesn't work with hyper-masculine And he men. doesn't care. He's going to be like, I'm going to stick with the hot women thing. Yeah, uh, right, because then he only has to hang out with hot women instead of ever having to hang out with these terrible boneheaded dudes. If you can disarm dudes and like then they like you, then you have to fucking hang out with those dudes and yeah. they're awful. Ew. Ugh. Um, and then you're not even allowed to suck each other's dicks. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to. <laughs> 
Does Serpico fall into the trap a lot of cop movies do? Sure, there are a lot of bad ones, but in the end, most cops are good. I, I honestly think that, like, I go against Pauline Kale, as I always do, because as brilliant as she was, she was from a different time. Mm. And I love her because she thinks her thing and then fucking runs with it, whether it's And leads on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like yeah. goes with it all the way to a touchdown. Uh, I'm going to be wrong or right hard. <laughs> but I think that's part of Lumet's whole almost network thing is, no, literally none. Right. Yeah, right. No good cops. I a- mean, a cab. And like, and then if there were a cop who was going to be good, that cop is purposely trying not to know what's going on. Like mm. the higher ups are like, um, you do the investigation and just let us know be because a- they know that they can't know. It'd be a cop with like uh, glasses and buck teeth with a red shirt. And he's <laughs> like, I don't know why they gave me a red uniform. And then just exploded <laughs> immediately. <laughs> we don't even have lasers yet. Leave me alone. <laughs> Well, when we he come, told the bad guys, "Leave me alone." Leave me alone, <laughs> and then you have to. As a bad guy, you have to like oh, the magic okay. phrase. <laughs> Going back to base. When we come back, let's give this movie some awards. Awards. Is there anything better? Yes. Recommendations are better than awards. Uh, this movie was nominated for two Oscars, but didn't win any, and uh, it only won like kind of shitty awards. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many. When you really start scrolling through the awards, there's like a lot of awards every year. And some of them you would like almost just as soon not win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it means like you didn't get an Oscar. It's it's the one where it's a, it's like on the poster it says Os- uh, Academy Award winner. And then there's a tiny asterisk. And then way down below it says. This is a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbor of. All right. So that it will not escape my tiny little brain though. Let's start with recommendations. Uh, what do we recommend if somebody liked or even didn't like Serpico, Mike? There are two movies that kept running through my head while I was watching this for very different reasons. One is the hearkening back to an older time and like the cop who's going against everybody else. I cannot get Kevin Costner and the Untouchables. Oh, hell yeah. I like brain. that one. A Brian De Palma movie? A, a De Palma, De Palma movie. movie even. Uh, it, it just, there's something about like the... The righteousness and the doggedness, and like I yes. don't care who's telling me this isn't the way to go. And it's funny, uh, they say in this when they're gonna like bust the dirty cops, they're like maybe go to the uh, the new police academy, yeah. and get some fresh recruits who haven't been corrupt yet. And that's exactly what the Untouchables are. And the whole time I was like, I thought of Andy Garcia because he will always make me think of Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other movie that made me think of it. Uh, 2013 2014 woody harrelson's rampart which is about the rampart police office in uh, la who are the ones who i believe beat up rodney king Mm. uh and it's just what a piece of fucking shit this guy is but we hone in on the piece of garbage cop not the one who's sort of trying to fight it i thought about rampart but i have better picks but uh, i know people who worked in rampart and that that literally was this what we're talking about like just corrupt on like from Maine, like on first base, you are corrupt as fuck. All right, great recommendations, Mike. There's two of them, so Ryan. That's obviously your point for Ryan because it's recommendation. Ouch. Oh, I'm gonna cut one of mine. Yeah, you I thought it was recommendations. You said sons. <laughs> Actually, it does say Rex here. Mike, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I've got two then. Yeah, let's see. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tread lightly. So I'm going to take it from the other side of um, Serpico and not do the fun side of police corruption, but just like (laughs) 
maybe see why that's what this movie is it's like having a little fun with police corruption <laughs> do uh Ryan. sort of maybe explain why people do it the first one and i love i love these two things so much even though they're fucking awful to watch one is Werner herzog making a sequel to an early oh. 90s movie with nicholas cage called bad lieutenant colon oh yeah port of call colon new orleans uh this is nicholas cage just being the single worst cop ever uh, power play i guess like he wants to feel powerful but just because it's fun just because like why not right i'm nicholas cage you're Werner herzog uh just what a fucking crazy fucked up movie the other one is uh we built this city mm. colon we built the city on rock and roll mm. and this is when john barenthal this is the wire creators oh yeah um and it starts off Ryan. with young john barenthal serpico uh or reverse serpico uh, Reversico. Reversico. He can't afford like crabs at a barbecue or something. Yeah. And he's like, well, how do I get, they have money. How do I get money? And then just becomes, <laughs> you watch him be the biggest piece of shit. Like it was hard to watch. It's like, I can't be around dudes like this. And then John Barenthal is just there. Yeah. Uh, it, it affects like, it affects his future performances. Like that older bear brother on the bear. Yes. Like, I can't watch him anymore. <laughs> Yeah, he becomes the most corrupt cop. And it's the same thing. You see him from Fresh Faced. Uh, I'm going to go with my recommendation is uh, an episode of the podcast, This American Life. It's episode 414, and it's the second segment. And it's about, in 2008, a cop uh, who's like, they're like, welcome to the station. Uh, here's how many tickets you have to write. And he's like, no, but you can't, you can't tell us to do that. We can't have a quota. And they're like, okay. And it's not taking money, but it is going out and like taxing the local uh the local civilians and mm -hmm. he is just like serpico in that he's like i don't want to do this i want to police in such a way where we involve the community and they try to get him committed uh yeah. but he unlike serpico he does record them a lot and there's even a part a clip they play where they find the recorder and they're like are you fucking recording us right now and it is shocking that they didn't kill this guy he like yeah. he gets. Spoiler alert: He's alive. Uh, but it is a fascinating episode of, of of a podcast, and it's an indication that like things didn't really get any better. And I mean, you can just like Google police corruption and probably find out that that's what that, that's not the case. I love the integrity and the manliness of the 1973 New York Police Department. That they're not going to like put a hit on Serpico, right? But like this is what they're talking about. In they the let him run into a building and they just stand like, there. Yeah. When you call, like you're supposed, when you're in trouble, that's supposed to thing that, supposed to be the thing that gets cops at the yeah. fastest, right? And then they just won't come. Or in these, in this case, uh, Salieri, fucking F. Marie Abraham, yes. and the other guy <laughs> just lets him go in and they just stand there. And like this doesn't count as killing him. They are three feet away, and he can look them in the eyes and go, "Why aren't you helping?" <laughs> oh my are, god! Do you see what's happening? I'm trapped right now. in the. My arm is stuck and it hurts. How scary! He's trapped in that door, and they're just like looking at him, and then he gets shot in the face. And thank God they used like such a tiny gun that it. But I don't think they even make those kinds of guns anymore. That like put a very small yeah, hole. in his It was face. a Cheerio high size hole in his head. <laughs> All right, so there. Those are our recommendations. Let's get to the awards. Uh, pound for pound performance, Ryan. Who do you think? Is your P for P? Well, Greg, I have self-imposed rules here. Yes. So I'm going with Anna Hill Johnstone, the costume designer. I think that what she did, and she has done multiple Al Pacino movies. I think she did The Godfather. Uh, what she did in this movie of like, I feel like every day they were like, 
she was like, you want me to do what? Kind of go bigger. <laughs> and she did it. I, I feel like they she... Literally, they told her, go big or go home. <laughs> and she refused to go home. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going home. So at, at a certain point, she was just making giant Al Pacino costumes. That's an intriguing argument. Mike, who do you got? Uh, I don't have the same self-imposed rules. Nice. Uh, I try to not always do the obvious one, nice. but sometimes come the fuck on. Uh, if you are in our generation and are constantly like, why is Hoo-Ha Duncan Chino <laughs> such a lauded actor? It's this stuff, man. It, it is Godfather Dog Day in this movie. He is great. And this is when he can turn that volume up and still be a good actor. Yes. Not be a fucking joke. Greg, hypothetically, if you were to run a D&D campaign. Yes. And if Mike was in that and his character recently died, would you be ready for oh, a character man. named Hoo-Ha Duncan Chino? <laughs> Pal Chichino. I love it's it. It's coming. Mike. And Mike, I got to go. He's a kender. I got to go with that. I got to go with that. Um, I love your argument, Ryan, but this is probably the, the perfect Pacino piece. Uh, director's signature. Now, we were just talking that Lumet kind of blends into the background, but Mike, what do you have as his, uh, his signature for this movie? Pro- probably because the last one we watched by him was Dog Day. The, the tension building is what was stuck in my head, and the intro of the most <laughs> annoying, loud, wow. high-pitched noises Awful between siren. police siren and phone ringing uh, <laughs> flashing between people talking about what's happening and who got killed and seeing his tiny cheerio sized hole bleeding uh all of that felt very now to me the opening so the- it reminded me of the drive to the airport at the end of dog did Day. you start it late at night and you had to like keep turning everything yes. down yes and then i'm like i can't hear yeah it, i can't hear it and I'm like, it mm. was so loud they really they got your attention right off the bat well i love that uh ryan what do you have as the the signature I uh, I think that the signature Sidney Lumet moment in all movies is the Twelve Angry Men thing, where the first third of the movie is we shoot it from up, so it looks like a big room, mm. and then we keep moving the camera down, so the, it seems like the room, room is smaller shrinking. And smaller. And I think that's what they did. Al Pacino is not a tall man, but I do feel like that he took every advantage of making Al Pacino looking as small as possible throughout mm. the movie. Uh, there's some times where he's thrown against the locker, and like even if he was wearing heels or like something that exaggerated his height. He was still so tiny. There, uh, When Kid Erie and the gang pull him into the park, Sidney Lumet yeah. like, puts the camera on their faces, and like he always seems like the tiny, like the sixth grader in an eighth grade gangbang. You know, like he's always <laughs> so small. <laughs> hate that analogy. I don't love that last part, so <laughs> I'm going to give the point. <laughs> but yeah, uh, small and alone. He's constantly shown at those things. Yeah, that park scene is he perfect. Just, he, he rarely has a friend with anybody else in the room. Yeah. Like, really, the only time is when he, he is with Tony Roberts and that guy who's, like, worried about his family. Yeah. And that's the only time where, like, it's a threesome. Otherwise, it's him and a friend alone. Or a ton of guys against him, and he is very, very small. And you can really, you can see the character's history there. Like mm-hmm. that's been him his whole life. Right. That's why he's weird. Yeah. And that's uh, uh, we were talking about his casting choices and the scripts that he picks. And I do think that he often will pick characters that do seem taller than they actually yeah. are. You know, Michael Corleone literally seems to grow in front of your eyes, like grow inches. Yeah. And this one is the smallest person he can be. Wow, I love that. Um cringe it's a it's a movie from 1973 ryan i'm assuming you were cringing i did the thing like this sort of goes back to um 
you know, uh, John Hamm theory or Don Draper theory yeah. about how like how we prove that he's not a racist at all in the first episode as soon as possible. And we do that so much with Serpico. He loves black people. He loves women. Uh, he's not racist at all. But if you call him an F-slur, he will be like, what the fuck did yeah. you say to me? And that it, that scene that we talked about earlier really caught me off guard. That he is like so offended by right. that or like, so worried about that. How even dare you? Yeah. All right. Pretty good. Mike, what do you got? My, mine is actually right before that because it just didn't jive with the rest of the character. Not that I was like, oh, he's doing something bad, but it's he does try to peep. Yeah. The cop is like, he's like, oh, I'm done peeing. Now I will try to look at the person fucking. Yeah. And the shades are pulled down. Uh, I have to like, say, I think those are two versions of the same answer, to be honest. I think he's that's like some performative heterosexuality on his part. Mm. You know, like, I mean, and I think it's, I think he's. I think the character's straight, or it doesn't really matter that much. But he obviously sees a need to be like performatively and enthusiastically straight towards other men. Also, the initial peeper is like, "God damn it, Serpico! Not only will you not be on the take and ruin the entire police corps, but you put a fucking binoculars in your hand, and she goes to bed. Like you're the biggest <laughs> jinx. Like those are all equal <laughs> in my heart right now. That's when Top Gun: Back to the Future comes in, and that's when he yes. delivers his famous. I found. Underwear, and just to circle back around, <laughs> would you know if you found underwear if there was a semen stain on it by smell and taste? taste yeah. test. <laughs> you know what, Mike Ryan, you both deserve it. And Ryan, I'm gonna go with yours Ryan. as the as the cringe moment. I just I do think the audience wants advocacy there, and instead we get like, you know, how can you accuse me of this unthinkable thing or something? I like mean, that. how how much different would the movie have been? And like certain audiences would have looked at the movie if he was like, no, why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not, but why? Yeah. Which is how he reacts to like everything else. Right. For a while. All right. The next award is a Serpico special and it's called, and I find this very pleasing, Serpiclose. In a movie full of costume changes, what is the best piece of Serpiclose, Mike? There are so many good so ones. So many. Lamp this is a hard. This is very tough. Uh, but the one that like just tickled me the most is his like pirate slash Peter Pan outfit when he has a big billowy green shirt, like a leather vest on top yep. of it, and he has a goatee even, That's... and it just looks like Serpico watched Errol Morris's Robin. This Hood is outfits. one of two Robin Hood outfits he wears <laughs> because there's also we're gonna talk about 1973, the animated Robin Hood. I swear mm. there is a scene where Serpico dresses just like Robin Hood dresses when Robin Hood <gasps> is pretending to be a blind. The dark glasses and the yes. hood. Yes. Serpico yes. dresses like that for one <laughs> scene and then kind of alludes to it in a couple of other scenes. Arms for the poor. He's very Robin Hood energy. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I want to do the Robin Hood so bad. Um, the And plus, like at this point, he has the devil beard. Like mm-hmm. It's sort of shaped into a thing. Like do, The Van Dyke. Do you remember yeah. Eric Balfour? Mike, I remember the name. From the OC, he was Teresa's. He was Jesse in the first few episodes of Buffy. Yes, and he was just has Teresa's like this sort boy. of like devil bearded face. He looks like the devil. He looks yeah. like the devil. He looks. Like uh, the devil. But no, I have to go with the the rabbi because yes. that at, at that point you're like, what right. the fuck? What is this fucking? What movie? am I watching here? <laughs> like, what's going on? I don't quite understand. I mean, it. at that point, like, if he came in to the precinct and just took a smoochy head off, yes. and he was like, <laughs> death to me. I don't know. And then like, it's a living. <laughs> it is a living uh but yeah it has to be that rabbi outfit and they're like they want to yell at him about something so he gets like chewed out looking like that <laughs> um this movie again we are spoiled for choice on this next one 
Uh, there are many bad cops, but Ryan, who is our worst cop? I, I want to sort of applaud the movie of like not having one like they're one all, type of bad cop. They're all so bad that like there isn't like one super villainous one, except for one absolute psychopath, and that is I believe his name is. I just saw a black guy. I'm going to floor it in reverse, and I'm going to possibly kill oh, everyone yeah, behind me. This, this guy street. has Reese from Malcolm in the Middle energy, <laughs> but he's an adult man in a pork pie hat. It is so terrifying. Which of those two things are worse? <laughs> Dude, they're all bad. But yeah, he like when he realizes the chase is on and the way he laughs, that's so fucking yeah, creepy. Because he's a sociopath. Unhinged. We are supposed to be like, uh, Serpico, where'd you get all your integrity, man? Like, just... Take, be on the take. Like, Did you, you steal tr- it from a perp? Why don't you trust these cops? <laughs> and then he sits in a car with a cop like this. And he's like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah, maybe don't be like these cops. Why did you want to be a cop in the first place? <laughs> that, that's a good question. Be a teacher. Is this the department that is clean as a hound's tooth? <laughs> that he's like, this is the one I was told is good? Mike, what do you say? Who is the worst cop? There's so many bad ones, like we said. Uh, the one that I think sticks with me, uh, the more I thought about it, is the... Overly annoyingly Catholic biblical guy. Yeah, have patience. Mike who Pence pretends cop. he's good in his help. Fucking Mike Pence cop. Oh my god. Hey, Mike. remember what God said? Do nothing ever. I guess. Is that the guy with the fly in his hair the entire time? That's <laughs> this guy. Obviously, he doesn't care if you're a good or a bad cop. He just wants to know if you're Catholic, and that is yes. like such a great detail. And ultimately, it's the commissioner, right? Who could make changes yeah. but but who i get intentionally doesn't know what's going to. on yeah yeah and what? Who, huh? it just wants to run interference all right we are going to take what one panelist is called the quickest of breaks and when we come back we'll tell you who won this episode and uh whether or not we think serpico has what it takes to win our 1973 movie of the year skadoosh. a skadoosh you know anytime you hear skadoosh that means i'm about to tell you the score Mike, you got 42 points. Ryan, you got 40 points. Mike, congratulations. The winner of the Serpico show. But the question is... How much was in that envelope there, Mike? I never touched one. I have integrity. It's clearly that I'm the most (laughs) Serpico-like. Yeah, you are. I would actually agree with that. Both in my flamboyance and my integrity. Yeah, and in, in your attraction to the ladies of New York. Um... We never totally got into it, but I feel like we all had this same opinion, which is that this movie is fine to good, but do we think it has any chance to be the movie of the year? Do you know, Greg? Thanks for asking. Um, we talked about Scarface in we did. the Al Pacino thing, and uh, I to say that this movie is overrated uh, compared to Scarface, Scarface is a terrible movie. This movie four is bad bo- people. This movie, four bad. Like if yeah. you have a poster on the wall, you probably. Oh, you're the worst. Yeah, you're probably gonna die of long COVID. But and pay attention when they have those consent seminars. I think that this is a great movie. I don't think this deserves to be in the conversation with, let's say, the two Godfathers, Dog Day Afternoon, Network, yeah, etc. But great, not just good, but great. Yeah, uh, I'll concur. No. I, I do think it. I think it is. I great. don't think I will concur. I think it, I don't know if it's great. I think it just pushes above. <laughs> good yeah uh yeah it's 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 definitely far from bad i call this more than okay 3.5 if we're rocking our four star scale i put this at 3.5 i think this movie is uh uh endlessly entertaining it is so good to watch and and rewatchable for sure uh and 
he's doing so much. Lume is doing so much quietly. All of it, all the things we said. It's it's messy though, and so that keeps. But it's I think it, the mess is part of the watch. The whole time that I was like, is this a comedy? I don't care. I still love what I'm. Yeah. It's happening right now, but I I keep purposely forgetting what we're going to watch. But right now, yes. this is the best movie we've watched. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's certainly the best movie we've watched so far. Just to break down, I don't know, how we watch stuff. And, like, uh, we'll nit- I'll nitpick with Mike, and I'll be, like, 3.25 yeah. to his 3.5, which really doesn't matter. But it's so much about expectations. I've heard that Serpico was one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. It's not. I've heard that Sisters was not a movie that I've ever heard of. <laughs> and it was great. And it and was. So, <laughs> and so, like, it is weird how those two things come sure. into play. I don't know if I would pick out of those two, which I would pick just because one was wilder than the other. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's delivering in so many ways. And then I just think it is a scotch below great. I think mm-hmm. it is a, a good movie. It's very fun. It's very entertaining. So are we, we are not left then? with a ton of questions. We're not left like trying to construct things, you know, our own understanding of this. It's pretty much delivered to us. I think we get it. Um, but I, Look forward to watching it again. I would recommend it to anybody. I just don't think it's gonna. I don't even think it has a puncher's chance of the of being seventy three's movie of the year. I think that the reason that it stays in the conversation is that because more than Westworld, more than Sisters, is there another one? The Sting, the Sting, the sting. definitely more than the Sting. We were transported to nineteen seventy three. Goddamn, is it nineteen seventy three? This is a time machine into so many things with Watergate, with how movies were made. Like this yeah. is this is how movies looked. The average movie looked like this. And The Sting was trying not to. Right. You know, The Sting was trying to look like a 1980s movie and a 1930s movie all at the same time. And then sound like a 1910s movie. And then, yeah, for some reason. <laughs> but let's get 1910s music. But I will say, it's still a better score than the fucking yes. well, Serpico. hell yeah. The Sting score rules. Ryan. That's my new fuck uh, jam. <laughs> <laughs> Is the ice cream man here? It's sex time. <laughs> I'm the entertainer now, baby. <laughs> uh, but nips. yeah, like... Uh, I think it is overrated. I think it's uh, too highly thought of. It is not Scarface. It is so much better than that. Yeah. Well, uh, that is our Serpico show. We will talk about it at the end of the season. But until then, there's going to be a bunch of other movies that we're talking about. But hey, in between now and then, do me a favor, will you? Keep watching them movies. Wait, I don't know why I clapped, but I felt like I had to see no one I'm done. (laughs) 